want to grab your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to Genesis 50. Now, I uh, have been in counseling uh, for quite some time now, um, and my counselor recently in the last few months took a new job. So I have been in between counselors as of late. And uh, I recently reached out into a new counselor that I was recommended to um, only to get the response that uh, I am fully booked. And then he ends with, I've never seen such an influx in the amount of requests for counseling in my life. And I took two things from that. One, if you have any type of anxiety or need for counseling or working through this state of overwhelm, whatever it is, you're not, you're not alone. Um, but two is that this year, this month, this week, uh, things that are going on, um, I think have just been terribly overwhelming in, in so many ways. And one of the aspects um, I feel that really has been going on in our, our personal lives, not just there, but it's in the nation and around the globe. We've been looking outward for quite some time now. Uh, there's actually something called compassion fatigue. When we look at the atrocities going on outside of our control, outside of our neighborhood, outside of our lives, but we still feel attached to them. We actually get so fatigued that it can paralyze us. It can overwhelm us. But what, com- what, what pushes up against this, and I found myself feeling this way during the week as I tuned into uh, the, the election race and all is going on, large part of me says, why didn't I just wait and just find out just the results back and forth? But in so many ways, I sat there feeling helpless. I, I, I sat there and though I, I filled in a bubble on a ballot sheet and I signed my name and sent it in, ultimately, I, don't, I just didn't feel like I could create change, that I actually had zero control over everything. Now, I think what's happening to us in so many ways is we have two types of anxiety. We have chronic anxiety and we have acute anxiety. And acute anxiety is the type that just flares up spur of a moment in reaction to something. And sometimes this can be good. You know, you, you see an incident happen, maybe a, a kid falls down or whatever it is, and you, you rush over there. That is, that is an actually an, an anxious response driving us. It can, it can be good. But then there's chronic anxiety. And chronic anxiety is the, the anxiety that just lives beneath the surface of our lives. And oftentimes we don't even know it's there. We're not aware of it. But this chronic anxiety actually controls us. The responses that we have the reactions that we make, the decisions that we have in front of us, all these different things can be influenced by the chronic anxiety that we're actually unaware of. Now, I bring this up because in this time, we've been looking outward for so long over things that we honestly cannot control, but we want to change things and we have this desire of control. So it starts to manifest in these different ways. And I think our anxiety is attached to us. What we want to do for the next four weeks is actually bring things home a bit. We're starting a new sermon series called Placed for Purpose. The D is in the parenthesis deals. Um, But what this says is that we believe that place matters. And we believe that being placed in a place and in a time matters. You see, uh, throughout the, the story of God, throughout history, God has worked through certain people in certain places at certain times. And we believe that he's still doing that in each of our own lives. What we want to do is actually, again, bring things home and we want to peel back the layers in four areas. We want to peel back the layers in relationships, which I'm going to talk about for a handful of minutes today. We want to peel back the layers on what it looks like to be placed in our neighborhood, what it looks like to be placed in our work or our vocation, 
what it looks like to be placed in our city and why these things matter. You see, I'll just say this to kind of tee up the rest of it is that as like, if, if we engage these things, as we peel back the layers, I think there's questions to be asked. Like what, what if our relationships aren't just the people that we're connected to, but the people through which we actually become more about goodness, beauty, and love. That, that our neighborhood isn't just a place that our house sits, but a place where we grow in actually sharing our presence, our generosity, and our hospitality. The thing that we do day in and day out to bring home a paycheck, what if it's actually more about becoming a person of humility, of servanthood, and integrity? In Fresno, Maybe this place that we call a home, maybe it's more than just the, the place we couldn't wait to move away from or the place that we've been re relocated to, but it's actually the place where we transform through compassion, through mercy and justice. So here's the hope. Now we're going to look at Genesis 50. As the people of God, the call is to be the kinds of people that demonstrate the kingdom and speak of the life we have in Jesus in our normal, everyday lives, such that it ripples out into the world. So go ahead and we get to Genesis 50. It says this, starting in verse 19. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended for good to accomplish what is now being done the saving of many lives. Now you can go back and read the story of Joseph after this. You can go back to Genesis 37, start there, read through the end of Genesis, and you're going to learn all about the life of, Jesus, uh, of Joseph, um, who actually is seen in the Old Testament as, as one of the, the closest figures to who Jesus was. Uh, we get a lot of glimpses of, of who Jesus ends up being, which is just beautiful. But you can go read all about, about him. Highlight, Joseph was, was actually sold into slavery by his uh, 10 brothers uh, at the age of 17. They despised him. He had these dreams. Uh, they wanted to kill him, but they actually came to themselves a little bit and just said, hey, rather than killing him, why don't we sell him off? Then we'll pretend to our dad that he was mauled by a wild animal. Um, so they set this whole elaborate thing up. Well, Joseph ends up finding himself in, in Egypt, actually um, finding favor with Pharaoh. Pharaoh actually brings him in through these gifts of dreams uh, to actually rule and help, like, have oversight over the kingdom. Um, and he, he works through all these things. Now, can, things continue to, to at the same time fall apart. Uh, he's, he's accused by Pharaoh's wife. Uh, he's thrown into prison. Uh, he's, 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 he's actually betrayed by someone close to him. But what we're reading here is at the end of this story, Joseph finds himself in front of the brothers that once betrayed him and sold him into slavery. And it works through these, these different dynamics for a little bit. And what we end up seeing is this, this great move of grace. But I want to highlight something a little bit different today. There's a, a theory called family systems, family systems theory. And what it says, you might remember the TV show Intervention. Um, intervention was oftentimes looked at where the, the person who is having struggles, uh, addiction, uh, abuse, I mean, so many different things going on, a family comes around, brings them into the room, and they talk through what this person needs to change, right? So the, the focus becomes on the person that has the improper behaviors. If we were to take this as an instance in Genesis 50, we would look at Joseph's brothers in, in this way, right? Now, what family system says is that 
they're, they're not, they're not just making these individual choices, but this person might be manifesting things that are actually connected to the entire family. They're not just these individual aspects where this person is broken. It says we're, we're actually all connected. So I want you to actually start thinking about your relationships right now. I want you to start thinking about your family. I want you to start thinking about the best friend you've had for a long time, those closest to you, your roommates. Like it's not just A plus B plus C where each of you are somehow connected linearly, but it's all actually intertwined into this web. And what we see here in Genesis 50 is not much different than our own lives. You see, if we were actually to look at kind of the upbringing of this family system that Joseph finds himself in, he had three stepbrothers, uh, sorry, three stepmothers, 10 stepbrothers, one biological brother and a stepsister all living in the home at the same time. His father, Jacob, though generally godly embraced the polygamy that was common in the day, which opened the door to jealousy and security and almost constant conflict among his wives. Jacob was also a passive parent whose lack of involvement in leadership brought incredible pain and confusion to his family. And Joseph's brothers, who you know, took turns throughout their life being brutal, conniving, and openly immoral. See, this is a family system. So we can't just look at the incidents of where the brothers sold Joseph into slavery. That could be a manifestation of all these other things playing in. So a modern day example, um, a number of things, but let's say a child uh, at an older age is wetting their bed. Oftentimes you can bring the child to a therapist or a doctor and talk through why this is happening, but there can be deeper things where what if the parenting is, this is just a manifestation of, of what's going on from the parenting. And so here's why I bring this up and I'm not going to talk for much longer. There is an aspect about this that I, I think is just enormous here in Joseph's life and ours. When we feel like we're out of control, when we're focused outward on all these other things that we, we can't control and it's overwhelming us and our chronic anxiety is, is increasing, what starts to happen is we start to look for control in other ways. We actually want to see change and I think that's good. But do we want to see change in others for the sake of seeing change in others or do we actually truly desire change for ourselves? Because see, what starts to happen is we start to control others. We start to distance from others. Chronic anxiety produces uh, either dysfunction or overfunctioning, which both manifests its way in different controls. So again, if you work through your relationships right now, where may you be applying control? And control, again, could look like overfunctioning and it could look like dysfunctioning. What about control in the longtime friend who has seen the political views much differently than you? What about the family member who has responded to COVID differently than you? Maybe the, 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 the actual um, revelate, like the revealing of all the racial injustice on social media, who has responded differently than you? Or even just go way back, like the lifestyle choices within your family or close friends. You view things differently. Maybe they're religious views. Are we actually pushing into relationship? Because here's the question I have to ask us. Do we believe that these are just relationships in our life, the people that we happen to be connected to? Or do we believe that we've actually been placed there? Do we believe that we've been placed inside this family for a greater purpose than what we see? Do we believe that we've been placed inside the friend group for whatever reason we came together? Do we actually believe that there's a greater purpose to our relationships than just the things that we can see on the surface. Because this is the story of Joseph. 
I can imagine every single day he was questioning, why is this my family? They're completely dysfunctional. But you know what we actually end up seeing in Joseph is that he never puts it back on them. He never looks to change his brothers. He never looks to, to change the family dynamics. What actually happens over time, he changes. See, family systems theory says that in this dysfunction, if we can focus on the healthy person becoming more healthy and operating properly in the, the roles and the dynamics of the family situation here, what if change would come through that person? What if change around them, transformation around them, would come through change and transformation within them? And see, my encouragement to us this morning is that in our relationships, if you're just to, to take the pulse on how your relationships are right now in this overwhelming climate that we call life right now, how are they doing? What relationships have pressure? What relationships have strife? What relationships have been completely broken and separated? The relationships that you may have intentionally been placed into for the sake of your own transformation so that everything else around you can continue to transform. This is our vision statement of Midtown. Transforming lives, transforming everything. Now you might be here this morning and say, you know, I can't think of you know, broken relationships. Actually, things are going pretty well inside my household and inside my family, my extended family, my friend groups. But I would ask you, are you becoming a person of gratitude? Are, are, are you growing into actually being this person of just thankfulness for those kinds of things? Because either way, we get to be transformed through the circumstances that we find ourselves. And I believe these are highly attached to the places that we have been placed. And they are for a greater purpose than we can actually see. So what I'm calling us to is to actually take our eyes off of the global and the national landscape in some ways in regard to that we cannot control them. But what we can control is pressing into our own transformation. What we can control is pressing into community, what we call church, what we call Midtown. We can, we can choose to press into time, spending time with God. We can choose to press into serving others. If we look at Joseph's life, I think there's two things that drastically transformed him as a person. One, he served. He served Pharaoh. He served others. He served his brothers. He served, he served, he served. He had this great gift of dreams, which God spoke to him through, and he used those to serve others. What has God given you that you are called to serve others? others, those who are closest to you. And how can you do that well? The other thing is that he grew in these dreams. He practiced these dreams. Like there, there was times where, where he could hear God clearly and then he would act and have obedience. Are we spending time allowing God to speak into our lives? Are we, are we looking at scripture and spending time with scripture? Are we, are we listening and learning from the life and the teachings of Jesus? And are we working this out in community? I believe these are the type of things that can lead to our transformation because these are really the only things that we can control when it comes to relationships. These are really sometimes the only things that we can control when we feel like our world is falling apart. But what is it worth when we're, we're trying to change people in these relationships so far away from us and the relationships around us are just falling apart? We're trying to control our spouses and our, and our children and our friends and our, you know, co-workers and bought. I mean, there's so many things that we just, we, we feel like we need control because we want change. I believe that God is calling us to change. 
See, what we read here is actually a forecasting from Joseph into Romans 8.28. And I, I want to wrap up with this and then a quote. Romans 8.28 says this. And we know now that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now watch this part. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed into the likeness of his son. You see, this is to be conformed, for us to be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ, to become more like Jesus, a non-anxious presence in a very anxious world, to become this person of forgiveness and grace and love and encouragement. and I mean, so many things go on and on and on. What if you've been placed in the circumstances and the relationships that you find yourself in so that you can continue to be transformed? And maybe through that, others will continue or start to transform in ways that are greater than you could ever imagine because it's not your way. And with this quote, and then we're gonna move into a time of communion uh, that Dusty's gonna lead us in. So a Hasidic rabbi, as he reflected on his life, uh, on his deathbed, he said this, when I was young, I set out to change the world. When I grew a little older, I perceived that this was too ambitious. So I set out to change my state. This too, I realized as I grew older, was too ambitious. So I set out to change my town. When I realized I could not even do this, I tried to change my family. Now as an old man, I know that I should have started by changing myself. If I had started with, with models, maybe, if I had started with myself, maybe then, I would have succeeded in changing my family, the town or even the state, and who knows, maybe even the world. So my encouragement to us as people who are following Jesus, may we continue to do the work of seeking transformation in and through our own lives, through the grace that God has extended to us in his son. And for those who might be trying to figure out this faith thing and who Jesus is and what transformation looks like and the hope around you just isn't doing it. This is the invitation to follow Jesus and in that process be transformed so that everything around you can be transformed. So let's go into our time of communion.